Welcome back to B2B Revenue Leaders. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Bland. Jonathan is the co-founder of OmniLab Consulting. And on this episode, we discuss all things LinkedIn ads. I know a lot of marketers will say LinkedIn is too expensive and, and doing it the old way is with lead gen forms and all of that. But we chat about optimizing for consumption, how to use influencer marketing as part of your ad strategy, and how to repurpose and chop up organic content to use in your ads. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to dive right in here to, you know, LinkedIn's very top of mind for me in particular. Like we just launched our strategy there. We're starting to see early returns, but there's kind of this like old LinkedIn strategy that LinkedIn's mm-hmm. still pushing because that's how they make money, if I'm being honest there. And then the mm-hmm. new strategy, right? Like, so I'd love for you in your own words to kind of contrast that and maybe, you know, tell us the direction you think it's all going. Yeah. And, you know, you have to always think with any of these ad platforms too. I mean, like what's the incentive that they have and what do they want you to be doing on that platform? And, yeah. you know, we've talked to a bunch of LinkedIn reps, just like I'm sure you have. And I think they're all, they're all pretty good, but I mean, a lot of them are all incentivized to ultimately drive down lowest cost per lead and they want everything trackable. And usually they're always suggest legion forms across everything because that's the easiest way to do that. But we all know that there's cons of doing that and some other things to think about. But yeah, the, um, the kind of old versus new way that a lot of people are talking about and what we actually recommend for a lot of our clients is the old way is, hey, let's just push out a bunch of gated content through Legion Forms. Let's, upon form submission, drive them into some email nurture. We'll lead score them at some point. We'll pass those to an SDR. Then an AE ultimately will follow up. And then we'll try to turn those into demos, pipeline, revenue, et cetera, down the, down the stream. And and that's basically been the the approach and not really a whole lot else. And it's kind of a dollars in, dollars out where we're optimizing for usually the lowest cost per lead on LinkedIn uh, for the highest amount of conversions. And that's that's been the pro- predominant goal of what most people have done on LinkedIn. And the new way is really saying, hey, wait a minute, are we actually restricting the amount of content by gating it, one? And could we actually do other things other than just content distribution, like, for example, Maybe we break apart a webinar like this or a podcast or something, break it up into little clips, highlights that answer questions, pain points or whatever, and then use that in paid versus trying just to get them to fill out a form because we know that people consume in channel, not just out of channel. And there's all these things that you can kind of expose yourself to. So the new way is really, how do we get more consumption in channel? How do we expose more of our content to the people we actually want to read it? Because that was the point of opening up the content. And then how do we make sure that the campaigns that we're looking at in terms of measurement, we're not just looking at everything with a lens of lowest cost per lead, lead, pipeline, revenue, et cetera, where we're actually using still some of those leading indicators, which are still very relevant, right? Like impressions and clicks and CTR and all that, or the amount of time someone spent on a content page or how far they scrolled down the page, things of that nature. We want to keep those in mind because those are still important metrics to look at. And that's what ultimately we need to do in terms of the new way, because uh, you know, there's degrading success with running some of these plays that have been done for a while. And I think people are kind of old to it and not just gated itself, more so the actions that follow after gated. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'll stop myself there. Maybe we can go back and forth on it. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think, so my opinion on that is there's just company measurement, right? Like always X leads, X price marketing throws up their hands and they're like, victory, we got it. <laughs> and then sales yep. comes back and says, all these leads suck. You know, we didn't get a single dollar out of it. Yep. So to me, like I'm, so I, my role here, I'm VP of revenue, sales marketing is one team mm-hmm. because I've been in that position where like, you know, marketing is driving for X metric, 
sales is driving for a different one. There's no alignment. And it honestly is just hell. Like it's a bad place to work when it's like that. Totally. Um, so on the consumption side, because I know this makes sense intuitively to marketers, I think. Get your content in front of your ICP. Mm-hmm. But they're going to get the pushback. You know, how how do we measure this then? How do we figure out actual success? So how would mm-hmm. you help them tell that story to leadership? Yeah, I think there's there's this like crazy obsession with pipeline and revenue right now, as you know, on LinkedIn. And sure. I'm I'm just as focused on it as anyone else, as any other marketer for that matter. Now, comp plans may change, but in general, I mean, it's not like leading indicators and all these things around people consuming your content just magically went away. And what, now everything's yeah. just pipeline and revenue, right? It's also not realistic to say that one blog post is going to lead to X amount of pipeline of revenue. I, I mean, that stuff just is so crazy in B2B. There's so many different touch points. There's so many different things that are happening. So the, uh, the easy answer to your question is um, uh, really what we do is we start by looking first at some of the things I just kind of alluded to earlier, which are, all right, great. Let's say that I'm going to promote a ungated blog or some type of guide or something like that. And I want people ultimately to get to my website. The metrics that I'm going to be looking at are going to be the impressions off the ad itself and why impressions, because we're still actually going to be trying to create content that can be consumed somewhat in channels. So impressions or video views are still very relevant metrics for people that are not clicking. When you think about 99% of people are not clicking on your ad. So that's one thing that we're looking at. Next is usually click through rate. Are people engaged in it? Are they, is the, is the messaging resonating? Is the content interesting that we're actually pushing out there, et cetera? And then the third one would be, all right, now that they've actually got to the website, did they actually consume it? Did they just walk away? Did they bounce? Did they stay on the page? Et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, when you're having that conversation with executives, the major thing is to say, like, all campaigns have different goals. Not all campaigns are designed to to create leads, pipeline, and revenue. And you still need to have campaigns that are designed to build awareness, to answer pain points and questions and things like that, because that's how you actually get some of the bottom funnel of the campaigns, whether it be in search or whether it be even in retargeting campaigns on LinkedIn, that's how those guys start churning more leads for you. Because you just have to think about it. I mean, if, if you're in like the prospecting coal layer, I've never heard of this company ever in my life. Like who's yeah. testimonial, who's OmniLab, I don't know. Like I need to see a little bit of information, whether it's organic or paid or whatever the, the source is and get a little more familiar with it. And then ultimately, I'm probably going to get wrapped up into some retargeting audience. And whether I convert on that ad and the retargeting audience or not, doesn't matter, the retargeting campaign. The point is, is that I need to score each of those campaigns differently. And I think people kind of intuitively get that when you ask them, so the first time you ever saw an ad from this company, did you just automatically like go to the website and convert and yeah. buy the software? I mean, the answer is probably not. And they can probably think of three or four other things. Oh, no, I talked to a friend. I went to Slack. I saw three or four ads, maybe they don't even remember the ads, you know, things like that. So, um, so that's the reality. So you just got to think about campaigns differently and buckets. For sure. And it's almost like taking an e-commerce mindset to B2B. 100%. You know, yeah. an error there, right? Like I see a cool pair of shoes, maybe I'll quick buy if it's a $30,000 piece of software. Oh yeah. Or All complicated. Exactly. Well, frankly, I could even argue, I mean, granted people do lots of impulse uh, buying on e-commerce too, but I mean, still like, especially when I'm looking at a pair of like shoes, I might look at a couple of different brands, you know, yeah. I might uh, read a couple of different review sites on it. I might've seen an ad. So even in like e-com, there are, there's the concept of multiple touch points as well. Not as much as B2B, given that the transaction values are usually a lot, right? And there's buying committees and all sorts of other things. But I think as soon as you ask that question, like, you know, walk me through the last time you bought software. What were the things you remember doing? And I guarantee you there's always going to be multiple. They are not going to remember everything, but they'll be multiple. And I think that's like the, the conversation I always like to start because then it gets the wheels turning like, oh, yeah, you're right. I guess I did do a bunch of things. So I guess we probably shouldn't just say, 
put $5 in LinkedIn and get 15 out. That's probably not the way to look at that channel, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it was that easy, every company would be worth billions of dollars, right? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Where's that world? Let's go over there now. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, so on that side as well, like to dive a little deeper into LinkedIn, mostly because I'm putting a big focus on it right now. I know, you know, it's a big channel for you guys as well. The thing yeah. I personally like about it is there's so many styles of ads. Like you can do different objectives. You can have text ads, spotlight, video. They all have different metrics. And, you know, I always thought text ads were stupid in the old world. You know, this is mm -hmm. never going to drive a lead. Now I'm looking at it. I can get 40,000 views here for $0 because no one clicked yeah. these. And they. So how do you map out a campaign? Um, like let's say cold layer, you have your... ICP target list, you uploaded or target on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. What are the steps there for figuring out what type of content to serve? Right. So I think the first thing is breaking that into two layers, right? So we've got the prospecting or cold layer, and then we've got the warm or retargeting layer, very simply. And you can make this more complex, but I prefer simple because simple is easy to manage. Simple is yeah. easier to execute quickly. So you really got those two layers. And what's the difference between those for everyone? We're targeting, right, the people that have been to your website, usually in a 90 to 180 day period, or maybe they engage with one of your ads. Um, and then prospecting your cold being people that have not engaged with your brand, maybe ever, never heard of you before, or maybe it's just been a long while and they forgot about you. So that's the difference between the two layers. So there's clearly different things that we're going to do in those different segments. Uh, now, this isn't a black and white rule book. This is more a guide, right? There's lots of times where we break this internally. Um, but the the general kind of rubric that we follow is, you know, things like events, product marketing, top of funnel content are the things, and maybe thought leadership could kind of work its way in there. They're kind of all, they're all different pieces of content, types of content, but those are the types of things that I'm trying to use at the, in the cold layer to warm up an audience and getting them into events or a community or something that they can get answers or questions to. I'm uh, using product marketing ads. It's probably the most underrated thing that I think a lot of B2B brands don't do because it doesn't always lead to immediate conversions. It's more of a brand awareness play to make sure that people actually understand the outcomes and the value props and like what your tool actually does versus yeah. you just sending out more and more content. So there's definitely a play for having a couple of product marketing um, campaigns running. And then obviously just content, right? The typical stuff that everyone's used to doing already on LinkedIn and whether it's gated or ungated, whatever your play is there, the point is blogs, guides and stuff. So those are the things that we use at that layer because now we want to get people exposed to our brand, ideally to our website. And this is also another reason for why it's really important not just to run lead gen only on LinkedIn. People need to get exposed to your brand. They need to see what else you, you do. So it's, it's actually a great idea to get them over to your website. Again, you could gate it if you want there too, but ungated or gated, get them exposed to your website because they're likely to kind of fall around a couple different areas. You know, they'll go around different pages. So that's kind of the, the cold layer there. And stop me if you want me to dive deeper into anything, but that's that uh, simply put. And then retargeting is all about, all right, now that we've, they're used to us, they've seen us before, now it's about building a little more trust, answering some questions, and ultimately giving them some type of offer to move forward. Mm -hmm. And um, that could be case studies, testimonials. It might be uh, whether that's video, whether that's text, doesn't matter. There's all different types of formats you could play around with there. And then uh, product marketing again. I would have still in that layer because again, remember, depending on how you've got your retargeting audience set up, a lot of people don't necessarily remember what you do. So you still need to continue to remind them again and again, what are the core things that you can do to help them? What are the core outcomes? So that ultimately when they're ready, they'll come in. So we've got to build up that frequency there in the retargeting layer. And then ultimately the uh, last two things would be third-party validation if you have it, like G2, Captera, things of that nature. I don't think people care that much about the badges. It's more of a check mark. 
But I do think it's nice. Uh, we've been doing some interesting things where we're taking uh, screenshots of G2 reviews oh, yeah. and uh, kind of extra abstracting them a little bit. And uh, actually just using those is uh, creative, which is great. Uh, it makes it really easy to actually churn out a ton of testimonial ads when we need to do a revisement there. Um, but the last, obviously, being an offer. Like, what's the goal? What do you want them to do? And uh, most people, it's a demo. Uh, some people, it's a trial. But I think if you could make offers a little bit more interesting, for example, we have a client where they do a 72, in 72 hours, they will give you three different threat assessments on basically your database or something like that, right? So they've got a database and they analyze it and they say, okay, here's some threats that you might want to look into. And that's the offer. And ultimately, they get on a call with sales. But um, but those are the kind of the core things that I think about when separating cold versus versus warm. Yeah, I like how that's nice and simple and really, you know, I'm probably oversimplifying this a little bit, but it boils down to what problem can you solve for me and why should I trust you, right? Yeah. So the retargeting is really yeah. that trust piece. And I, I think, and maybe this is just how I buy, I will see an ad and be like, yeah, that's great. I get a bit of trust and then I'll go talk to someone and mm -hmm. like, you know, whether it's in a Slack channel or a friend of mine and get their totally. thoughts on it. Um, so I like how that's, you know, at least planting the seed of trust before they do their you know, dark social, whatever you want to call it, like their right. research into the product. Well, the other thing too, that's really interesting, and we've done some uh, analysis on this, is that cold outbound conversion rates will actually increase over time as well. Yeah. And uh, it's, it just plays directly into the familiarity bias, which maybe some people are familiar with. It's just, you know, the more impressions, the more frequency times you've heard about a either person, myself or you, or testimonial or Omnilab or whoever, I'm more likely to respond to that person. It's like, oh, I think I know them before. I've heard of them before. I've seen an ad. I've seen whatever. I've been to one of their events and stuff like that. So um, it's also just something to kind of keep in mind in that, that retargeting layer. Yeah, 100%. We found the same thing, actually. Like, that's how that's how we're pairing it. Um, yeah. LinkedIn targeting is great, but they don't have like a B2B SaaS bucket, which is our audience. I know. It's such a bummer. I, I wish they did. So instead, we, we use Apollo, but you can use Zoom Info and, you know, yep. trim the list, validate. Um, and we basically pair that with outbound and then hmm. we interesting we check on linkedin through our company list did we serve impressions here was there engagement was the website visits and then hmm. that's our form of attribution and you can't see my quotes but like yeah, yeah in yeah. quotes right because i even tell leadership i think linkedin influenced this you know they saw the ads they interacted yeah. but can we attribute no it's it's never going to be one-to-one. -one. I mean, it'd be, it'd yeah. be easy if it was. I mean, typically what you're going to see a lot of times when you're running brand awareness or ungated plays on, on LinkedIn, where it's not just legion forms and gated, is you'll see branded search conversions go up. You'll see organic and direct conversions also go up. And those are always, too, generally where you're getting the bulk of the conversions if you look at GA or in your CRM a lot of times. But to your point, if HubSpot or Salesforce picks it up and we can get some type of influence from, all right, well, they clicked an ad and they read, read some content, et cetera, et cetera. And if we can tie that together a little bit, it's helpful to put together a better picture. I try not to go down those rabbit holes because they're really dangerous ones because the data is just so imperfect and there's so many little issues. I mean, they've got to accept cookies. The pixels got to fire correctly. I mean, there's so many things that need to happen there. Uh, so I think it's more about looking for, you know, indirect associations with, okay, hey, we did these things during this period of time. Did we eventually, and of course, there's marketing lag, right? So things aren't going to happen. The monthly launch campaigns isn't when everything goes up. It's potentially a couple months later. So I'm looking for those quarterly swings to say, all right, are we driving criminally more inbound demo requests, if that's our goal, more inbound pipeline, more revenue? Or is it still flat and nothing's changed since we've started upping our spend on LinkedIn and, you know, producing more content and all those, all those things? Yeah, so. for sure. I think like we've, we've seen that as well, the correlation where... Yeah. Again, I can't say it caused it, but every time we turn this on or off, you see it reflected yeah. 
three weeks later. Like it's not immediate totally. either, right? Like it no. takes a bit of time there. It'd be um, nice if it was immediate, right? You know, just turn it on, boom, there you go. Pipeline yeah. in your door. All yeah, good. Like, I think the gist of all this is this is all hard. Like it takes yeah. time. Oh, it's for not sure. easy. Um, yeah, you really got to plan and try things as well. Exactly. Um, one thing I'm curious, and maybe you've experimented with this or not, it's been coming up a lot in pretty much all these interviews I've been doing talking to guests is 2023 seems like, you know, almost the year of B2B influencer marketing. Like that is mm -hmm. a growing niche, whether it's, you know, stuff like this, where I will interview someone who has an audience and has great thoughts on something. And, you know, we share back and forth or like the paid, you know, you see people paying Dave Gerhardt or whoever to mm -hmm. post about them. Right. Yep. I'm curious, have you looked into or experimented with tying that influencer marketing to paid? And if not, like, do you think that would work and be viable? When you say tying influencer marketing to paid, what do you mean? I would say like picking a micro influencer in your audience and say, hey, record this, you know, ah. ad in quotes. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we haven't. Um, so I've been talking about this with a lot of our clients trying to get them to do this. Uh, I don't have any direct data, unfortunately, with at least the client base that we have uh, doing this. But I can tell you that um, I think it's huge. It's a huge opportunity because you get someone that is recognizable in the space that the audience already recognizes. It's kind of like the typical thing when you've got, doesn't have to be a celebrity necessarily, but anyone with a little bit of influence, all of a sudden now you're associating your brand. You mentioned Dave Gearhart. Dave Gearhart's really well known in B2B SaaS and marketing. So as soon as you put Dave Gearhart next to your brand, automatically there's an association and there's an increase of trust too, because it's like, I know Dave, I, I, maybe you'd like him, maybe you hate him, doesn't matter. But I mean, if you like him, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I like what he says. I agree with it. All of a sudden, then now people are looking at your brand a lot differently. So if he gets in there and does something really organic and authentic, and I'm not talking about some scripty, like nonsense or whatever, I'm talking about just Dave being Dave or you being you or me being B or whoever's doing it and going in and saying something very authentic about, hey, here's my experience about what I was doing before. I was doing X, then I was doing Y, then I was doing Z. It was a pain in the ass. And now I got introduced to this cool company called XYZ and they fucking changed my world, you know, that type of thing. And like that stuff I think does really well. And I think it's interesting to do it on the paid side, but yeah, I haven't, um, I would love to do some of that, get some clients comfortable doing that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's validating here. You think it's a good idea because it's something we've been kicking around, honestly. Like, yeah, I think it'll work. And we're a testimonial company. So we do customer testimonials. And to me, this is like, a variant of it almost yeah right like it's a similar style but probably more candid and like you said it has to be authentic almost off the cuff not the you know podcast read where you can tell some corporate person at this giant company wrote it yeah I think that's the we, trick we will do i mean i guess this is kind of related we have done um where we'll have uh it's not a person that directly works for the company so i guess you'd call them an influencer um but they um uh, person has a little bit of pull and we've done, um, you know, some webinars and other events and stuff like that. And also used uh, little clips from that to kind of yeah. position that person of influence next to the brand saying something that basically aligns very much with the strategic narrative that that brand's trying to push. Mm -hmm. And we've done some stuff like that. So I guess that just kind of hit me as another idea, but we've done a little bit of those types of things, which are, I guess, similar in a sense. Nice. So that's an interesting idea as well, right? So you just make sure I'm understanding that correctly. Like, let's say you are a company that sells to customer marketers. You have a platform for them. You would mm -hmm. get someone who, you know, in that space is kind of aligned, tells a similar story. Let's say you interview them on the podcast and then. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's a huge, yeah. huge ability. I mean, I think that just 
and, and especially when it's just so authentic and raw, you know, just conversational style, yeah. kind of like we're doing like right now. Yeah. People just want to listen in and hear what people are saying, you know, and especially when it's someone that, okay, well, I already kind of have been reading this person's blog or reading their content organically or whatever, wherever they produce, you know, this is interesting. And what they're saying actually apparently aligns really well with this other brand and they're saying kind of the same thing. So boom, like you just kind of like cross a threshold. It's like, yeah. you know, you're on the first floor and instead of going from step to step, you know, you just kind of jumped up almost all the way to the top because of that connection. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think that like to go back to consumption metrics, mm -hmm. I would imagine those videos get viewed more because especially if it's the right audience, they're used to viewing that content and consuming it. So it almost feels natural in feed rather than here's a banner with an ebook to download, it's just, <laughs> you know, scroll right by it. Well, that's so true for webinars too, right? I mean, like the primary yeah. reason of a webinar going, you know, well or, or poorly is based upon who's speaking and then what it's about. I mean, those are honestly like two of the biggest things. If someone speaking is interesting, you know, they like what they say or they just want to hear what they say, et cetera. I mean, that's going to drive more people to come in there, especially when the topic's controversial. But yeah, uh, yeah completely, completely. Nice. So we've talked, we've touched on like, you know, ad types a little bit on creative and, and a few ideas there. Mm -hmm. I guess the other side of it we haven't got into much. And I think you posted about this a while back is, you know, the, the data and the targeting side, right? So mm -hmm. especially buyer intent, this isn't something... I've experimented with here. Like I've done it for, you know, cold outreach and that sort of stuff. Um, but is that something you've worked with, like using buyer intent as almost a not so cold layer, right? Like a mm -hmm. lukewarm layer in between. You're talking about just like intent data, like from Zoom and those guys? Yeah, there's so many different ways. Like you can get it from Zoom or, you know, a million other data providers or G2 or even yeah, Captain serves it. Um, yeah. But yeah, curious your thoughts on that. We've kind of done it all. I, we've used uh, Zoom and G2 and Bombora. Um, I don't know, Sixth Sense. I don't know. We've kind of touched all, all of them. They all have, honestly, they're so similar. There's probably some differences, I suppose, if I really dug into it. But yeah, typically, you know, when we do it, we're a lot of times using more bottom of the funnel types of things, almost similar types of content that we might even use in the retargeting layer a lot of times. Mm -hmm. with intent um, data, just because we're making some level of assumption that at least these people are a little bit more interested in the category, searching for maybe the type of thing that this company does. So that's usually the the movement there. Um, but yeah, usually intent data is always paired with the minimum firmographic or a target account list. So we're not just doing intent data only. I think some people make that mistake where they just double down on, well, we only want the people that have intent. Why in the world would we want the ones that don't? And it's like, wait a minute, you know, if 96, you know, 97% of the market is not ready to buy what you have, then we're really only covering a very, very small percentage. So, so that's something to consider with intent, intent list. So we're usually pairing, you know, again, between firmographic target account list and intent data is like the three different targeting types. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then running those accordingly based on kind of the way I structured it before. And then obviously intent data, a little bit more kind of towards the warmer funnel where it's like, okay, let's try to get these people to move forward. Yeah. Like to me, it's, it's matching the creative and like you said, the offer to where that audience is. And yeah. I like how you pointed out, you know, 90 depends on the stat. You see 96, 97%, whatever aren't in yeah. market. And I've done this, you know, it's been a mistake in the past where you kind of neglected them. You're like, let's just capture all the existing demand. I need revenue. You know, I need to hit this number. Yeah. But you just, then you're just chasing your tail forever. Right. You are. I, I think, I mean, to be clear, though, I, it is important to pay attention to the capture channels, right? Because there's sure. there's this kind of like, you know, the, tons of these graphs are like, you know, hey, demand gen takes forever. You know, you just need to stick with it six months later, then you'll be okay. I mean, it's like, 
I don't have six months. I've run away of, you know, 12 to 18 months. Like if I don't produce something in less than that, like I'm going to be out of here. Mm-hmm. And so there's goals and all sorts of other things. So you still need to take care of some of the short-term goals and try to do what you can on capture channels. It's just to say that, and you know this, it's just to say, don't neglect all of the other yeah, things that are happening, the people that are not. And that's just basic kind of like building brand awareness, distributing content, a lot of stuff we've been talking about right now. So it's just like, don't forget about that stuff. It's still important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cool. And then I want to, so, you know, wrap it up with one last kind of topic or question here. You know, LinkedIn rolled out document ads. I got an email the other mm-hmm. day. They're changing how conversation ads work and launching a few new ad types in the new year. So lots to experiment with and play with. I'm curious yeah. what you're like bullish on for 2023. What do you think is going to work well there? So document ads are really interesting. So we've already done um, for clients that are running gated, uh, for some of the clients that we do run gated, the cost per conversion. Um, it's half at, at, really? you know, at, at minimum, if not more than that. So if you're trying to run, if you're running that play like document ads have completely won out, we've seen it across multiple accounts now, just testing them out. What's really interesting though, to back up outside of the data, and we can come back to that example if you want. But what's interesting to me though, is there's been all this conversation around optimizing for in-channel consumption for a while from me and many other people that are even smarter than me. And um, just talking about all the things that, you know, we need to do in channel because not everyone clicks. And I think what's interesting to me is that LinkedIn's made an ad format and, you know, there's the carousel and other things like that, but made an ad format where you can literally just scroll through and read the content right in feed. And I think it doesn't work for all different types of content, right? You got to have a piece of content that's designed that you actually read it. Some of them, the text is way too small to read on document ads and stuff. So you got to be careful with it. But I think it's really interesting that they're aligning with that and they created that ad format. And I think it's going to be honestly huge. And uh, a lot more people should use it, whether it's for lead gen or whether it's just for basic getting more people to consume the content. Because you think about like slideshows organically that a lot of people share or carousels, people are flipping through this, the same interactions that they're having with say Instagram and others. And it's just a great way to say, okay, cool. Even if they didn't click, who cares? It's okay. Like it's okay that they didn't fill out my form. They've read five, six pages of the content, maybe got an answer to their question, probably thought of our brand at least a little bit. And if we keep doing that over time, like, boom, you know, so, so for me, I think document ads could be huge. And I think a lot of people should be testing them out just to kind of see what they, what they're doing, what they are. For sure. And as a consumer of those, like both people post them organically and, you know, you get the odd paid one in your feed. Yeah. I've found, you know, if it's educational, like I'm learning something, a specific how to really hits and I'll work through it. But the other side that's kind of interesting to me is like, it's just a clean way to tell your narrative and your story. Exactly. Video is great as well, but then you need someone to sit there for 60 seconds. But yep. if I can tell them in two paragraphs what I stand for and why they should care. Exactly. So I'm I'm also keen on those. We need to do a better job with ours and test a few different things, but it's early yeah. days for document ads for sure. Yeah, there, there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I'm sure it'll change too the way that they kind of, to your point, there's always updates coming out because they just released them. But um, yeah, I mean, early data, at least from us and from what we've tested is conversion rates are definitely far lower. And then the consumption is certainly up because we know that people are scrolling through more of the actual content. We can see that in the uh, analytics section in LinkedIn to understand, okay, how many people are getting 25, 50% of the way through this document? And I think that's the cool thing is that, you know, now we've got both the side of getting people to actually read the content, whether it's on your website or a Legion form, but also in channel. So works well. Yeah. That we tied it all the way back to consumption metrics because they, they there you go. That right out of the box there. So exactly. Cool. Thank you for that conversation. I, I have a few ideas. I'm going to go bug, you know, someone in my marketing team <laughs> to, to spin up on LinkedIn. Um, if our listeners, you know, want to learn more, follow you to get some of the content you put out, where should they reach out? 
Yeah, easiest way is just follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bland, the name. Uh, you'll find me, it'd be easy. And then, uh, or reach out to us on OmniLabConsulting.com, one or the other. But yeah, love to, love to chat with you guys. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. Cool, man. Cheers. Thanks for joining me for another episode of B2B Revenue Leaders. So I have two key takeaways this time. Um, one is just to optimize for quality content, obviously, instead of leads. So, you know, put yourself in the buyer's shoes. What would actually stop your thumb from scrolling through LinkedIn and create that content? And two is I'm just really bullish on this idea of testing out micro influencer ads on LinkedIn, not in the, you know, ad read kind of way, but the organic conversational content with someone who is well known and respected in that field to the people you're marketing to. So those are two things I'm gonna really push forward for our team in 2023. Uh, if you wanna connect with me on LinkedIn, feel free to reach out. Um, as always, we'll be back every Tuesday for, with another episode. All right, talk soon.